Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I want to, as Becky did, welcome all of our visitors this morning. we got folks from all over the place, and I just thank God that you're here. We've got people out on vacation, people out with sickness, but I'm thankful that for who is here today. And I want to say to you that I know that you being here, you're in the will of God, and God spoke something or gave me uh, a thought this morning directed me in a particular direction and he knows he knows what we need there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear this you know uh, we need to understand that we come to be in the presence of God in a service but every message may not necessarily be just for us but it may just be for us and um uh, so this morning, let this minister to you, and uh, I know that God is going to talk to somebody today. In Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible says, in verse 6, would you stand with me for the reading of the word this morning? I appreciate that. I know God does. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 it says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? This is what he said you shall cry. All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. He said, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God, the word of our God shall stand forever. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you today for this great privilege to come and to be here before you and to honor you this morning. I already feel your anointing. I already feel your spirit, God, coming upon me because I know that you want to say something today to somebody. And Lord, I'm asking you today that this message will not just be a fleeting thought or something that is spoken that those that need to hear it, Lord, will just throw it off. But God, that it'll sink down deep. Father God, and you'll minister to their life and their heart this morning. And that they will come to this altar and they'll say, today is my day, Lord, to, 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 of salvation. Today is my moment in time of salvation. And Lord, I'm asking you today to draw by your spirit. Let there be souls for the labor that's been put forth. And God will give you all the glory and the honor for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. You can be seated. I am preaching a message this morning entitled, The Voice of the Lord That's Crying. The Voice of the Lord That's Crying. And my hope this morning is that this message will make us think. It'll make us think about things like God thinks about them. 
It'll make us think about our life upon this earth and think about how we live our life. It'll make us think about our eternity because everybody in here is going to have an eternity. Everybody will have an eternity. Whether it's in heaven or hell will be up to you. You understand? But I want you and pray that you'll think about this today. And the Lord said, you may have people sitting in the congregation today that do not come to the altar. You hope that they come to the altar, but they may not come. But he said, if the seed is planted and they begin to think, he said, then this service and this time and this season, it fulfilled what it was supposed to. The voice of our Creator is speaking to us in everyday language throughout the Scripture. It's speaking to us in everyday language, period. But as I read this, I think, Lord, it's so kind of poetic in a way, uh, the way that you speak this. And He's talking to the children of Israel and how that when they come out of their captivity of 70 years of captivity in Babylon that it's going to be different. Things are going to be different. And don't, uh, don't just look at this life or the years that you've been in Babylon. Look at what is uh, you know, the bigger, grander picture, which was Israel being restored. And God is trying to say that to us today. Look beyond this life that you're living and look at your eternity. Look and see something beyond this life that it's greater than just what's here before you. And as I looked at this, I thought, Lord, your voice, the voice of my Creator, the voice of our Creator is speaking to us in everyday language about grass and about flowers and about how they wither and about how that they fade and all of this. And God placed upon my heart, He said, you can look around in the world and you can see or hear the voice of God speaking without even having a Bible in front of you. You can hear God speaking His eternal glory, His eternal purpose. You can, you can understand just uh, eternal realities just by looking around and seeing the things that are before you. Just simply by looking at grass and flowers. Isn't that so powerful? What He's saying is, as you read this, this is God's view of humanity. All flesh is as grass. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit had the writer, the prophet Isaiah, say that and write that. But he said, this is God's viewpoint of humanity or how he sees it. All flesh is grass. Man is as the grass of the field. What does that mean to you and I? You can simply look, in gra- look at grass and see that it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Okay? It's a temporary thing. The Bible says that life is but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. So what God is saying through just it just things right here in front of you in the natural world, the earthly world, it resounds to you and I that there is a beginning and an end in this life. But it doesn't have to end uh, eternally. It can be everlasting life. We were formed from the dust of the ground. We know that from Scripture. And we had no life, no soul until God gave it to us. 
until he breathed his breath into us. And thank God he did. We have been created with a living soul and our spirit died in the garden. But the only way we can come back alive is if God births that spirit again. That's what it means to be born again. You come alive to spiritual things. I'm so thankful. I listen to people in the church that recently got saved or within the last year. And you're hearing them and you can see that God has birthed something in them. They're different because they've been born again. But our lives are as flowers or as the grass of the field or as flowers or a flower. And that defines our life in in stages and it defines it in general that yes my life was a flower but there are different seasons where there's a flowering of my life I'm going to give you some examples there is the flower of infancy you're a baby I'm a baby for a certain period of time and if you have to be pampered at 18 you got a problem unless you're just an invalid amen But we are infants for a short period of time. That's a a season in our life. There's a flower of infancy. There is a flower of youth. And it's a season that's so short-lived, and before you know it, it's past you. And, you you know, when you're young, you just think, I'm just so invincible. You have no concept, really, or no perception of life and death and how fragile it is. That's why young people will do crazy things. They're thrill seekers. They'll do whatever. They're not afraid for the most part, you know. But me, you know, I just turned 50, so I'm going to step back just a little bit here and think before I go skydiving or think before I get out on a parasailing, you know, venture and out there on the ocean or something like that. I'm going to think long and hard. I think long and hard before I get on a ladder. You know, sometimes walking is a difficult challenge for me. And don't act like it ain't for you either because I've seen some of you walk. But we have that season of infancy. We have that flower of our infancy and the flower of our youth. And you know, I want to tell you right now, the Bible says that it's an awesome thing for you, and I don't have the exact scripture, but you, it's there, I promise you, that the greatest thing is for you to serve God in your youth. Because what you're doing is you're sparing yourself from all of the things that you didn't have to go through. Why go through the rebellion and get hooked on drugs or hooked on alcohol or or open yourself up and allow the enemy to come in as you're, you know, uh, give yourself to one person after another, after another, after another. Because the Bible says whenever you have sex with somebody, you become one with that person. You give a part of your soul to them. You give a part of yourself to them. That's why people are so messed up because they've been with so many people. They don't even know their identity anymore. So don't destroy the flower of your youth. Enjoy it in Christ Jesus. You know, I remember when I met Kevin and Crystal. I met, I'd known Crystal, but I met Kevin, and they were getting married. And here I am, you know, uh, you know, living in, in the little house on the prairie over there on 204 Wallace Street. 
And I met them, and they were so much younger than me, and they still are. They're so much younger than me. But I remember going through and going to be singing in their wedding and talking with them. And, and, and I remember when Kevin told me, you know, we, we, we have a condominium. We bought a condominium. I thought, my goodness, they're so young, and they just bought a house. But the Lord said, you know what? That's because they seized the moment in their youth. They've lived for God, and the blessing of God is upon their life. Amen. If you live for God, there's great blessings that come with that. And one of those blessings is just that you have some financial maturity and financial intelligence about you to do and make right decisions that are going to bless your life. So you're not 45 years old trying to figure out how am I, what am I going to do in my old age. No, I'm just saying in the natural. I know this life is temporal. We're going to get there in a minute. But I'm saying that there's the flower of our infancy, the flower of our youth. There is the flower of middle age. I don't regret a mile that I've traveled for the Lord. I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. And I'm going to do more, I know, before the Lord takes me home. I want to go to Africa again. I want to travel and be in missions and do things. I want to fulfill whatever God has called me to the the fullest. But we have that flower of middle age. And it's not long before, though, you wake up and you're in the flower of your old age. And that shouts to me to think about my life. What's my purpose in life? What is my life mission to be? And what gives my life intrinsic value or eternal value or the value that it's supposed to have, not what the devil has made me believe it's supposed to have? What have I done with this life that God has given me because My life is supposed to be given unto God in faith so that I can bring Him glory and honor and worship Him. That's why we were created. We were created to have communion with our Creator and to worship Him and to spread the gospel and to spread the good news and to live a life that is, you know, shows the world this is what it means and this is what it's like to be a Christian. This is what it's like. And, and I, I'm going to say this and not in, 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 in being conceited or anything like that, but this can go for anybody sitting in this room. We can have a life in Christ Jesus and have a marriage that is happy. It's supposed to be. And if people will do what the Word of God says they're supposed to do, they'll have a happy marriage. They'll have a fulfilled marriage. If you just purpose in your heart as a Christian, I'm going to give unto that person like Christ gave to me. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show long-suffering. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. That's what I'm going to do. Then I can tell you you'll have a happy relationship. Amen. I'm not going to say that marriage isn't without its ups and downs and times that you go through rough patches and all that. I'd be lying if I said that. But I'm telling you that a life in Christ and a married life in Christ Jesus can be a beautiful thing. It is to be a beautiful thing. Amen. And you don't have to come to the end of your life and have all these regrets. I so thank God for my wife. I thank God for her spirit. I thank God for everything that she is. She's unique. God made her and fearfully made her wonderfully in His image. She is who she is. I am who I am. Amen. And I thank God for her, though. 
because she loves me. My wife loves me, I can tell you. And I love her. And it's a beautiful relationship. But it's awesome. There can be this, you know, this beautiful beauty that comes from a life in Christ Jesus and it's supposed to be and so I ask you today if my life is a flower in God's eyes you know what am I doing am I am I living my life that would bring glory and show the beauty of Christ from my life to a world that doesn't know him amen he tells us something profound in verse 6 He says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. Before we talk about the fact that it's going to fade one day, I want to talk about the life that we can have while we're here upon this earth as a Christian. And what that goodliness means. It's a very profound statement that human life can be as beautiful as a flower. Sometimes we, because of our decisions, have made it very ugly. The devil has caused people to have no value for their life. And I have never seen a generation that worked so hard to be so dark and to, and to be so ugly. You see, girls and boys, young people, and, and they dress like they're, they're, they're dead. That's death all over them. That's, that's biblical. You know, but that's not what God wants. He wants us to live in the beauty of holiness and walk in the beauty of holiness and have the glory of God all over our lives. You know, and I look at some of our young people that are on fire for God and it blesses me, amen. It blesses me to see the beauty not only on the inside, but the not only on the outside, but on the inside, amen. They love God. They love God. They don't have to work hard to look ugly. Come on. And if you can't see that, then you're just as lost as, as they are. Come on now. Amen. I can tell you, God's beautiful. I was thinking about Sarah in the Bible. 99 years of age. I'm going to tell you, she didn't have no olive ole. She didn't have no Mary Kay. She didn't have no Clinique or Estee Lauder or whatever the rest of them are. Ultra. Ultra. All those makeup things and face creams and eye creams. Amen. She never had a facelift. But I can tell you at 99, she was beautiful. Pharaoh thought she was beautiful. She was an older lady. I'm going to tell you, when you serve God, you look beautiful. Amen. You look beautiful. Because God makes you beautiful. Come on. Let me move on to this. That human life can be as beautiful as a flower, but only because of the goodliness of God. That word used here is only used one time in the Old Testament. And what it means or is translated is this. It is of God and to God. So just understand what I'm saying is from God and what we, what we are to God and to others. 
It is the very character of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the long, long uh, loving kindness of God, His mercy, His faithfulness, His loving acts that are all features of God's character that bloom and blossom through us, from us, because of what God has given us of His life. And it's, 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 uh, you know, what He has given to us and then it flows through us back unto Him. Worship is you recognizing who God is in His life, praising Him back. Amen. It's His life and you praising Him back because before He touched you, you didn't worship God. But once He saved you, you begin to worship God. It's the beauty in your life, the fruit of the Spirit that everybody sees in you. That's, that's what I'm talking about when he says the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. In other words, what people see in you, the beauty of holiness, the beauty of the character of an almighty God. Amen. When you forgive, it's beautiful. I know that the world teaches us we got to hold on to our rights and bless God. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not going to reduce my pride and make a fool out of myself. Well, go ahead. That's what the devil did. Pride is not a fruit of the Spirit. Humility, I can tell you, is something that is an attribute of God because Christ reduced himself, set aside his glory, and came down here to this earth to die for you and me, to become a servant for us, for our salvation. But the word here is used in that context. On the back side of my backyard, on the right side rather, I have flowers. And what's so interesting is that whenever the sun comes out, they begin to open up. They close up when the sun's not there. But when the sun comes out, they open up. Beautiful pink flowers. I got pink flowers everywhere. Not because I like pink, but because my wife likes pink. So everything we got is pink. It's pink, 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 pink. I had a couple purple and white ones. I thought, praise the Lord. But she said, I love pink flowers. So I planted pink flowers. That's what she likes. Amen. I like color too, but it really doesn't matter what color it is to me. It's a flower, and I just thank God for all the brilliant, vibrant colors there are. But there's a lot of pink at 928. But when the sun comes out, those flowers open up and that pink hollyhock flower is beautiful. The geraniums are beautiful when the sun comes out and they've been watered and they've been nurtured and nourished. And they begin to resound and shout out to the creator that he lives amen he lives that's the whole purpose of Easter flowers they come up and they spring up new life they come up and you'll see those things you know the green little stem comes up but eventually they blossom and here's this beautiful tulip or this beautiful flower in the spring well these with these flowers as the sun shines down they open up and they say God exists because they respond to their creator. See, you don't even have to have a Bible to know that there's something brilliant going on out there in that world concerning our creator. Amen. Amen. You know, the, the, the biggest lie that the atheists make is that they don't believe that God exists. 
how do you know that, Pastor? They say they don't believe God exists. I said, then why are they so angry about a God that they say doesn't exist? Why does God do this? And why would God allow this? And why would a God do this? And they're so angry at God because of all the evil that they see in the world. And they say God doesn't exist. I said, well, I can tell you. Why would you be so angry at a deity that you say doesn't even exist? You do believe in God. Real atheists, true atheists would never make a statement like that. But they have an axe to grind with a God they say doesn't exist. What they're basically saying is they don't like what they see and they're blaming God. But they cannot with a real, true, clear conscience say God does not exist because they know better than that. Even Ray Charles can see God exists. Amen. Come on now. I'm just telling you today, God exists. We know that because he's touched us. They haven't come to that place. But I just love to see these things upon the earth. And God gives us this language and this poetry and the word of God that speaks to us and tells us that, you know, life is just but a vapor. It's a short thing. It's fleeting. It's fading. It's a flower. We can live our life and be, you know, bring glory unto God. And our lives can be blossoming with the beauty and loveliness of the Lord. His colorful, attractive nature. And let me tell you something right now. There's none of us in here that are beautiful spiritually on our own. Everything that comes from us that's beautiful or pleasant or lovely or holy or becoming came from God. When Jonathan rises up, he's not beautiful. He's not pleasant. But when Jesus lives out through me, I can tell you the beauty of the Savior, the beauty of the work of the cross, the beauty of the Spirit of God, and the fruit of it which comes from the very origin of love shines forth. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Amen. So our lives can be blossoming with the beauty and loveliness of the Lord and His attractive nature and character, or they can be a tragic product of the curse of sin. Make a note today of how ungodly the world, how an ungodly world does not regard God. And when they do not regard God, it's very clear they do not regard life. Every area that Satan has touched, he has blotted out life. Let that sink in for just a minute, okay? Let that sink in. Every area of our culture, the lawlessness that we see, the murder that we see today. I mean, murder has just ramped up even in the last several years, okay? It's been unbelievable how there's been so much death in so many cities and so many places where there's so much death and shootings and killings and stabbings. And it's just, it's become rampant because we become a godless nation. Does not the Bible say that the nation that forgets God is turned into hell? It should be no mystery to us why we're seeing what we're seeing because the world has said God doesn't exist. 
This is an existence without God. Death, blotting out life. Abortion, blotting out life. Amen. It's all over our culture in this day that we live in. Death, 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 death. Everywhere. It's just, it's crazy. The billions of dollars I read the other day that the state of California alone is projecting to spend for mental illness in youth between 15 and 25 is mind-boggling. I'm like, my God, young people, you ought to thank God every day that you're in a church that has preached to you and where the Spirit of God is and the anointing breaks the yoke, that you don't have to have a mind that is lost and twisted, but you have a mind that's sound. Amen. That you lay down on your pillow at night and you say, you know what? I've got a right mind. Amen. I, I know the enemy comes and tries to bring all kinds of things. Let him go ahead and try. We have a remedy for that. We have the antidote for that. Amen. And that is the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood over... Look, I'm 50 years old and I still have to fight the times that the enemy comes and brings depression or anxiety or things like that. But we have recourse, amen? We can come and say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit of depression. I bind that spirit of anxiety. I bind that jealous spirit. I bind that unforgiving spirit. I bind that lustful spirit. And I've got my right mind. Amen. When it begins to come, you've got to know when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against him and he's given us the blood, the blood, the blood against that which has come to destroy us. The blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm going to tell you. You need to plead the blood as much as you plead the name of Jesus. Oh, it should be a daily thing. Constantly. Amen. Constantly. Praise the Lord. You'll watch something, some ungodly demonic spirit of something you just happened to see that was just a, a passing thing on YouTube or something you somebody sent you or something that just came up as a commercial or something. I know that sometimes people seek for things and they're looking for things and sometimes it just happens across your path. Nonetheless, the devil's trying to infiltrate and influence our minds in this day that we live in and we have to plead the blood. Or you're going to be bound up. But thank God sitting in this room are young ladies and young men that God has set free. And I've got a word from God for you. Don't you dare go back. Don't you dare go back. God has set you free. He liberated your mind. Don't you dare go back. Why do you say that with such passion, Pastor? Because you may be seven times worse. The Bible says you will be. Amen. You, you were just using, you know, recreational drugs and God set you free. You're going to come back bound, bound, doubly bound. I'm not speaking that into existence. I'm telling you as a warning, don't go there. God delivered you from an ungodly relationship. Stay out of it. You have the flower of your life and the flower of your youth. Live for God. 
Don't let the devil be the one that is the Lord. And I don't mean to use the word Lord, but the, 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 the captivator and the, the binder of your life. Be free from that. Jesus came to set the captive free. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Young people, I'm proud of you. You know why I'm proud of you? Because many of you in here, you, you get it. You got it. That if I stay on this side of the blood, I'm good. The moment the devil gets me to dibble-dabble and I walk over to the other side, I'm on my own. Did not Moses, did not God tell Moses to tell the children of Israel, put the blood on the doorpost and stay in the house? You need to stay in the house. Amen. Stay in the house. Stay in the house of God. Stay under the covering. If you're a young person, stay under the covering of your parents. And parents, my God in heaven, be the covering. Cover them. Pray over them. Plead the blood over them. Because all hell wants to come against them and destroy them and drag them to hell. Amen. Oh, I'm going back to this God. He's leading me this morning. Our lives can be a blossoming, beautiful thing or a tragic product of the curse of sin. We can be only grass or our life in Christ can bring glory and attention and worship to the Creator. Yet the sobering truth that we must stop and consider is this. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. So every time somebody dies, we're reminded of this fact. You don't even have to have a Bible to know that. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Thank God for the Word of God. But what God said is there are things in life that God shows us that are realities. You don't have to have a Bible to know that. It's, it's, it's an eternal God that has done these things right in front of us so that we can see it. Thank God we have a Bible that correlates with it and, and, and confirms it. God confirms it with His Word, but He shows it right there in front of us. Amen. That this flower of life fades. That's why people are broken and destroyed and grieving when a loved one passes because we're confronted with the reality that, you know what? This life is but a vapor. We're reminded of that because we forget sometimes. We forget that. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised my next breath. And I don't even need a Bible verse to tell me that. Life does. Life does. I know. I had a 32-year-old brother last year that died just like that. Just died. My parents found him tragic and it, it, it shouted to us all because it's one thing when it happens to somebody else but when it comes to your household and your family and it's your loved one that died oh it comes home and we were all confronted with the reality that life is so fragile 
So how are we supposed to live? Listen to the voice of God. And he says in the word of God, live for what endures, not for what is temporary. This life is temporary. Highs are temporary. Moments of gratification are temporary. Heaven is eternal. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness. And all of the other things that you need in life will be added unto you. God will give you a good job to pay your bills, put a roof over your head. He'll feed you. He'll clothe you. may not be exactly what you want all the time, but God will take care of you. He said, I'll provide for you. But seek ye first that which is everlasting, that which is life, that which is heaven, that which is eternity. And see beyond the temporal. I was reading this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 4, in verse 17. This is what he says, for our light affliction, because we all go through things and we think that the devil's convinced us that it's going to last forever. But he said in the word, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. Everything that you're going through is to solidify and strengthen your faith. To fight the good fight of faith and to stay in the race and to stay the course. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternity. we got to get our eyes on eternity. And so you're going to have to, as I preached on Thursday, have a fine-tuned spiritual ear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. That blood needs to, to, to cover that ear, that, that right ear, rather. It needs to be dipped in blood. It needs to be anointed with oil. That was If you weren't here, you ought to hear it on Facebook because it was a good word from God, not the preacher, the word. It's the word of God. That anointed ear, that blood-dipped ear, everything is filtered through the blood. And so what he's saying to you and I is this. Amen. That he said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. They're eternal. David's prayer was, search me, O God, and know my heart. And at the end of that passage, he says, lead me in the everlasting way. What he's saying is I want my life upon this earth to be a flower. I want it to be the greatest it can be for God, not for myself. Some people think they're a flower, but they don't realize they're a ragweed. Do I need to say that again? Some people think they are this most beautiful flower, and you can... Make everything look beautiful on the outside, whether you're male or female, you can work hard. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Real beauty is something that only God defines as beautiful. He's the judge of that. He's the determiner of that. And some people think they're this flower in the world, but they ain't nothing but a dandelion. Come on. 
ain't nothing but a dandelion. And look, I'm going to tell you right now that they may be a yellow flower, but they are a nuisance. Before a dandelion becomes a yellow flower, it's that big old white puffy thing. And guess what happens? When the wind blows, it spreads all over. And when you had one, now you've got 50. I was at watching a little video the other day. There's this doctor on YouTube, and he's always got short little videos. That's what I like. They're short, two, three minutes, whatever. And he just gets right to the point. His name is Dr. Mandel. He's a Christian man, and he just gets right to the point of things, you know, to help you with your sugar, to help you with your digestion, to help you with your blood pressure, all these things. Help you open up your lungs. I didn't know you can push your hand right here on your thumb or on your, your hand right there, and it opens up your lungs. I thought, but that really works. He really is a doctor, you know. And so could feel my lungs expand and all that three-minute video. You know, you watch these videos, and some of them are 25 minutes. I thought, my goodness, no wonder you don't have no subscribers. Your videos are too long. We're short bullet point people, you know. That's the generation we're in. Give us a snippet. We don't need that from God, but in the world, it can, we can reduce it down to a snippet. But he said on there, dandelion tea. I thought, for finally. Dandelions have some value. They help you with your liver. Amen. Drinking that dandelion tea. Well, I don't know if it's working or not, but I will say this much. I've tried it, but I thought for once there's something beneficial come out of that. But a lot of people in the world, there's nothing beneficial coming out of their life because a life without Christ is a life served for the devil. So see beyond the temporal. Pray like David did. Lord, lead me in the everlasting way. We will either live for God or we'll live for ourselves. And faith puts its trust in what endures. And that's eternity. We will be sentenced one day or we will be welcomed one day. When we cross over after this life and that flower fades, you're either going to be welcomed into the eternal kingdom of heaven or you're going to be sentenced to hell. That's up to you and me what we choose. Are we going to choose eternal life? Are we going to choose a life lived here and then spend eternity without God because that's what hell is? And yeah, I'm going to preach on hell. When the rest of the church, for the most part, a lot of churches don't even mention it anymore. you got people, pastors. They're not even pastors. They're just speakers that are spewing things and saying hell doesn't even exist. And I said, have they read what Jesus wrote? I mean, if you want to make another religion and say it doesn't exist, okay, but don't say you're a Christian Bible teacher and say hell doesn't exist because Jesus spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. That's a fact. We will either live life for God or ourselves. We will either be sentenced or welcomed. And he says, the grass withereth, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. Not just the written word, but the word that Jesus spoke. What did he speak? A lot of things, but especially on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we know the word of God that comes from God is a word of forgiveness. 
It's a word that is finished. He said it is finished. When he gave his life and gave up the ghost before that, he said it is finished. And to, uh, you know, I commit my spirit unto you. And he said it is finished and it was done. What he was saying is everything that needs to be done for redemption of the soul of man was done at that moment. We can put our faith and trust in an enduring God who is ha- who gives us an enduring word and an enduring promise the word brings good tidings to us the word points to man's redemption the word tells man how to repent and the word tells a fading flower you can be saved there is life beyond the grave one of my greatest Stories of the Bible that I love to preach and tell is the thief on the cross. I'm going to tell you why. Because there's no greater, complete gospel story of redemption and a promise like that one. There were two thieves, one on this side, one on that side. They both railed on Jesus at one point. But while they're hanging there and their life is weighed in the balance, one of them came to himself. God began to deal with his heart. It's all biblical. It's all biblical. Amen. One thief railed on Jesus They all had a death sentence hovering over them. Every one of us has a death sentence hovering over us. Who knows when we're going to go, but we're going to go one day. We know that. Except the Lord take us in a rapture, and He can, and I believe that. But one way or the other, we need to be ready for a rapture or ready if the Lord calls us home by the way of a grave. One thief on the other side says, if you are indeed who you say you are, then deliver us from this cross come down from that cross and bring us down too if you're who you say you are see there are people that only think of 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 earthly things and temporal things and that was all he was concerned about was getting out of his present situation and he was going to go on and be a better sinner god's not going to save us or deliver us to be better sinners he's not going to heal us to be better sinners He saves us, delivers us, sets us free so we can live for Him. Not so we can go back to the life we were living before. That's why He said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. But the thief on the other side rebuked Him. You know, nobody can rebuke a con like a con. I've seen inmates, they'll, 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 you know, school another inmate, you know, and he said, you know what? He said, you, basically, you need to keep your mouth shut. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we're here hanging on this cross because of what we've done. We're paying for our sins. We're paying for our crimes. We're here because we justly deserve to be here. He said, but why is he here? Because he opened blinded eyes? Because he healed the sick? Because he fed thousands, because he healed leprosy, because he made the lame to walk, the blind to see. 
because he loved people and showed them that there is a God in heaven that they can serve. We're here because we deserve to be here. We're a flower that's fading. And in the fading of your life, you're going to rebuke the only hope you have. And he said, we're here because we deserve to be here. But why is he here? Because he was born to die for the sins of humanity and the soul of men so that we could have life after this fading flower goes to the grave. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what he was saying? I get it, God. I've got a death sentence hovering over me. And I'm going to take my last breath here very soon. But my only hope is in you. I have no other hope. So remember me. What he was saying is, I cannot come down from this cross. If I could, I could not come down from this cross and go back and fix all of the things that I've done in my past. And we've all got a past in here. We've all got things from our past. Some of you are young still. You haven't made a whole mess of your life yet to where you can look back and say, my past is horrible. God is speaking to you today, and he's telling you, you can change the trajectory of your life. You can change the course of your life. You don't have to be 10, 15 years down the road looking back and saying, this is where I went wrong. I wish I would have gotten saved at 17 or 16 or 18 instead of living 15 or 20 more years as a drug addict or somebody that ran from God and ruined my life, ruined the flower and the, the joyful time of my youth. What he was saying is, I can't come down. I can't come down and, and, and go back and fix all of my past. I can't unscramble scrambled eggs. Nor can I come down and work enough works to merit God's favor or forgiveness. Because I'm going to tell you something right now, church. What you are when you take your last breath is what you are. If you died a Christian in faith, you're a believer, you're in heaven. But if you died in sin, you were living in known, willful, habitual sin, and you didn't turn from that, I don't care if you went to church one time. I don't care if you filled out a visitor card. I don't care if your mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or somebody in your life lived for God. You can't get there on their coattails. You have to have a relationship on your own. So he's hanging on the cross, and he turned, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, I think sometimes the enemy puts in our mind that it's so complicated to come to God, but it's not. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in him. And you know what? When you say, remember, you're saying, please remember to do this. If I ask Angela, please remember to put my paycheck in the bank, or please remember to go to the post office, or please remember to go pick up some milk from the supermarket, or please pay this bill for me. I'm going to tell you, I put my faith and trust in her that she's going to do what I ask her to do. And when we say, remember me, what we're saying is, Lord, don't forget me. And he will not forget you. But you got to put your faith and trust in him. 
And he will forgive you. You know, that's the one thing I did when I came to that altar in 1990 at 17. Bound by lust, bound by perversion. Years of abuse and all kinds of things that people didn't even know were happening in my life. But you know, there were many times I sat in church and the preacher preached and I thought, I was thinking, God was planting seeds. But then there came that day and I pray for somebody sitting in here, it's today for you. Where I got up and I said, I'm going to go to the front and I'm going to fall on that altar and I'm going to say, Lord, remember me. Please forgive me. Please remember me. I know there's more. We must ask God to forgive us. We must repent and turn from our sins. But folks, there's people in here that don't know nothing about nothing about God. All they know is the love that beautiful flowers have wrapped around them and love them. You know, I didn't know a lot about God, but one thing I knew was the people in that church were so good to me, and they loved me. They loved me, and they loved me into that altar. Today, I hope that you listen to what this preacher said, because I love you. And God said, in that altar, in my room, my office, he said, Jonathan, preach this. I said, but Lord, I was going to preach this. He said, you do what I tell you to do. Because you don't know who's going to be sitting there. And it may not be for 98% of the church. It may be for 2% that are sitting in that room. Amen. Is your life... At the end of it, just going to be a withering grass and a fading flower, and that's it. I'm going to tell you today, God is saying, I'm knocking on your heart's door. And I'm saying, let me in. Let me come in. You can have a fulfilled life. You can live abundantly in life in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be dead in sins and trespasses, but you can be forgiven. And a life overcoming You don't know life until you've come to Christ. Some of you say, well, you know what? One day, Pastor, let me say this to you, and I feel the Spirit of God speaking to me to say it. The biggest lie the devil ever told anybody is, you have tomorrow. You don't know if you have tomorrow. If God is merciful, you'll have tomorrow. But if he spoke to you today and you rejected it, what you're saying is, my tomorrow that I think is coming may not come. And I need to take advantage of this today. That's what God's saying. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that I have tomorrow. Because that's the biggest lie. You're not promised your next breath. Make your decision today. Please, there is no drug, there is no gratification, there is nothing upon this earth that's better or greater than your eternity. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
I'm telling you, people have exchanged it for one trip. Don't do it. Give your heart and life to Jesus. Today is your day of salvation. Father, today, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. I thank you today, Lord, that you give such a word, Lord, and such a promise, Lord, and such a, a message to us. And Lord, there's somebody here today, and I believe there is, that is not right with you. I'm praying that today that they will make that decision to come to know you today and surrender their life. Because, Lord, we're not promised tomorrow. I'm asking you right now to draw by your spirit, by your power, by your presence. Thank you, Lord.